looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. We are past the post on Sunday, November 15, when Jonker went past the post of the last race at Doombin yesterday. He created... Uh, what I think was the highlight of the day, he broke a 15-year-old track record, a Ridgy Didge track record, when he set the figures of 17.83, beating Takeover Target's track record, Nathan Exelby. Uh, might be a little bit biased being a Queenslander, but I thought that was an absolutely dynamic performance. It certainly was, off the, the wide gate, and it was handlebars down from the start, and... It, Still able to come home in 33 point. It was a phenomenal performance. And I, I still remember back to that day takeover target mm. broke that track record. And that was the race that actually set him on his path to Group 1 success and then international glory as well. Jonka probably won't get to those heights, but clearly he's um, he's a rejuvenated horse. I, I'm sure it's a fascinating story. And we're going to delve into it deeper during the program when we have a chat with our, our premier trainer here in Queensland, Tony Gollan. Uh, of course, t that was the first run for the Gollan stable. Not a total surprise. It came off a, a brilliant trial win in fast time at Eagle Farm. But nevertheless, the the time and the manner in which he won was, was I think, the best word to describe it was breathtaking. So it's been a real turnaround for Jonker, and we'll talk about that later in the program. But, of course, we had uh, great racing interstate. It was uh, the big day for Sandown, the last metropolitan uh, fixture for the, their spring carnival. And, of course, it was the second running of the Tab Hunter at Newcastle. But I thought we might go to Sandown first, and let's go to the uh, the real feature, the Zipping Classic. And the favourite for the race was Avilius at $3.20. So Lavendi led sound on the point of the turn at the 550 from Bremham Rocks as they quicken it. Then Future School presenting, followed by Lord Belvedere. Avilius still with a bit to do. It's Lavendi scampering down the dip. Sound moves up the outside and they set two by two and a half. Bremham Rocks, Future School, Avilius to the outside. Then came Attorney in a dash to the post in the Zipping Classic. Sound at the 200 takes the lead from Lavendi. Bremham Rocks, Attorney is running on then Avilius, but Sound darts away. Sound is clear and Sound is going to win the Zipping Classic and a sprint home beat Brimham Rocks and Future Score, photo for four, Attorney or Avilius and then Scarlet Dream, Lavendi second last and Lord Belvedere knocked up to finish last. Yeah, select racing uh, analyst Mark Hunter labelled Sound as an each way special, couldn't miss the place and he was spot on because it ran first place. Uh, Jamie Carr riding and a great day for her as well, a treble. Well, it just caps off a magnificent spring carnival for her, doesn't it, David? So, um, and it was great initiative the way she she took mm. off mid-race and took the took the ascendancy and it was a winning move. I'm sure a man that will agree with you about the uh, initiative of the ride of Jamie Carr is Sounds trainer Mike Moroni. He's our first guest this morning on Past the Post. Mike, good morning. Uh, we've, seen morning sound, we've seen Sound in two Caulfield Cups, two Melbourne Cups. Uh, it's been a long way, but uh, the win was here yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has been a long wait. Um, probably the year that he uh, probably could have performed at his best was this year, and he didn't make it, so uh, quite strange the way it's worked. But, uh, look, he, um, he's been in great form for about the last um, 12 months or more. Um, I suppose the disappointing part was we were flying to Sydney from after he ran second in the Auckland Cup. I left him back there for an extra week, and uh, then we went to go. They, they actually called the plane off that morning uh, when the COVID virus hit. So uh, we, were, we were sort of um, cast here in New Zealand for a while and Mr. Costum uh, has ordered really. Mike, 
what's been the turnaround in this horse? He, he seemed to struggle when he first arrived here in Australia, but this time around, he's just been superb the whole way through. Probably a couple of reasons. One, a little bit of soundness, I think, when we first got him. Um, he had feet issues and, um, and front fetlock joint issues. Um, but he seems to have got through those now, and he was very immature. So I know it seems strange being a five-year-old, but he, he still was very light on. Um, he's a stallion still, and a lovely horse to handle as a stallion. And he's only really just got strong the last probably 12 months or so to look at, um, carrying really nice condition now. Like he's something like 30 kilos heavier than what he was when he first arrived, um, you know, as far as the racing weight goes. With uh, Sound, as we said, he's been here now for, well, just over two years, and uh, he's a German import. What was the recommendation about Sound that Connections purchased him? What was the, the, the talk or the feel about him? Well, he was qualified for the Melbourne Cup that year, so mm. we decided he was, had the right credentials breeding-wise. He had been a, a narrow second at weight for age um, uh, behind the horse that won the Cook Hill Cup. Uh, and, and so for that reason, he did look the right horse. Uh, we were well aware that he was a fair age and we'd like to buy them a little bit younger. But I think the, the, the main thing was that it guaranteed uh, people that he was going to make the Melbourne Cup that year and that's what we were you know, keen to buy. Uh, and for that reason, we, we sort of had a lot of people wanting to come in on him when we bought him. So, uh, you know, it, it, strangely enough, uh, I would have thought he was still going to be at his best now, but it looks as if he is. And I think we're going to get another Melbourne Cup run, run out of him next, next year. He'd run five placings this year without winning. Were you starting to think that it just may not happen for him? Oh, we always thought it would. He's had a little bit of bad luck. Um, but held up a little bit at, at Flemington. He got held up badly in the Mooney Valley Cup and um, and then got home late when it was all over. And just things hadn't quite gone his way. And we knew that we, you know, he was knocking on the door and that these sort of races at least were going to be within his grasp. And it was just disappointing that we couldn't have had a crack at the, the Melbourne Cup this year. I think he would have uh, quit himself really well this year, uh, the way he was going. Let's talk about the jockey. Uh, as we said at the outset, she showed great initiative when the pace dropped right off. She put sound into the race. Um, uh, she's riding impressively. She's had a wonderful carnival, but overall, she's riding well every day of the week and, of course, leading the premiership at the moment. She's going great, really is. Um, always, always been a talent. I know we, we took horses over to Adelaide, but we always used her when we, when we could get her. Um, and, look, she's just um, kept improving, and I suppose the competition uh, that she's up against here now brings that on, but... She, um, like yesterday, um, came out to hop on the horse and I discussed, you know, eight horse field, what she thought we should be doing um, after having had a couple of rides on them. And she, uh, Jamie was of the opinion that we should ride the horse back. Um, she was also aware, like I was, that the bit of speed about the race with the scratching. Uh, so we were a little bit worried about the speed on the race. And all I said to her really was that you've got to work out um, when they swim the back straight how quick they're going to go along. And if you're at all worried about it, well, you just you know, change change tack. But we were a little bit uh, sort of interested on riding a little bit different and letting him run to them rather than him being sort of um, left in front a long way out. And it did work out well. Levine did take us far enough uh, in a very slowly run up here uh, and always made it very tough for those horses behind us when our horse quickened up and, and sort of put a couple of links on them that, he was always going to hold them, um, and I thought he went to the line. She set up on the last probably you know, 10 strides. Um, he had them well beaten by then. So 
Um, it, 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 the things did go to plan yesterday uh, in the finish, and I think there was a difference where things had quite, hadn't quite gone right um, in other starts. Mike, talk about another horse in the stable, a really exciting horse in Shelby Cobra, who we saw win impressively at Flemington last week. The form stacked up in the Sandown Guineas yesterday. What's the, the outlook for him? Look, he's going to have one more run, which will be next Saturday at Ballarat. There's a nice race with uh, with a couple of hundred thousand for him. Uh, it's just Phobos Gold Race. Uh, and you wouldn't expect it to be a strong, strong race. Um, so we just thought we'd just place him there at 1,400 metres and keep him back to that trip. Mm-hmm. The stage rather than step them last, uh, to the guineas of yesterday, and he's still um, at, at just a tad on the weak side. He, he's just um, not quite there yet. So we'll probably give him a break after this, and we'll head towards the autumn. We'll have a bit of a think about where we head there. Uh, but look, he's an exciting horse. I think he's pretty untapped, and um, you know, his racing manners have been pretty good for a horse that's uh, you know hasn't had much practice. So. Uh, we're looking forward to his future. We, we, we think he look, you know, looks very, very good horse in the making. And Mike, with Buffalo River, he was solid behind Juniper yesterday. Is that the uh, end of the session for him yesterday, or are you going to keep going with him? I'd like to give him a run over 2,000 metres. Um, he's bred to really stay. And as Jamie said yesterday, she said, look, you're after having one rider on him now, but what I told her before the race was right, he is about one pace, uh, and that... He's got a good cruising speed, but he doesn't quicken up or that a lot. And she said he relaxed lovely yesterday. And when I put it to her about going the 2,000 metres, she didn't see any reason why not, because he is relaxing now. And she did agree that he his change of speed wasn't quite there when the ground gets quick. Um, so we'd, we'd like to do that. And if it's going to be that, it'll either be the Ballarat Cup next Saturday or it'll be the Werribee Cup, one or two. Um, so we'd like to do that before we go to the paddock. So we can sort of work out where we're going to head for the autumn. Good work. Thanks for your time this morning. Always appreciate your comments and your commentary and uh, congratulations with Sounds Win in the Zipping Classic. Thanks very much. Mike Moroni joining us this morning. Jamie Carr rode three winners yesterday. We've mentioned Sound, of course. Karif won the uh, the Sandown Cup, the two-mile race, and Shimino won. I see a tweet that went out that says, uh, further proof of how good Jamie Lee Carr is going. Shimino hadn't won for 223 days. Karif, 419, and Sound, 909. <laughs> She's got all over them over the line first today. So she can extract the winning touch. David, you're close to a lot of people in South Australian racing. She's come through there and made a name for herself there and then was a surprise to some when she decided to make that move to Melbourne. But obviously no surprise to anyone in Adelaide how, how she's kicked on. No, certainly not. And I think this continues um, a, a, a trend, uh, and some can say an unfortunate trend, but I think Jamie realised that... that uh, she needed to to tackle new frontiers. She'd she'd achieve what she could. She could have probably just kept riding Adelaide mm-hmm. and winning the premiership, you know, maybe year after year. But everyone, well, not everyone, but but most people have some ambition, particularly if they've got the ability. And it's a it's a quantum leap. It's a big step. But we've seen you know trainers in the past do it yep. of yesteryear. But uh, no, she's riding impressively, and I see no reason why she won't continue. So sound there, the the winner of the the Zipping Classic. Avilia set out the favourite. They upgraded the track to a good three midway through the day. Uh, he's better when with given the track. The pace wasn't on, but unfortunately, just racking up a series of non wins. Yeah, it dates back now to the the what's it, sort of the George Main last year, was it? Um, September two thousand nineteen, since he last won a race. Um, it did look the right race for him yesterday. If he's anywhere near his best, and even on his Caulfield Cup run, which was good. Um, but um, 
No, so he, he might be nearing the end, home. Let's go to the Group 2 Sandown Guineas. This market uh, had a total reshuffle when the favourite Asar was vetted and not cleared to run after uh, injuring itself uh, on the way to the track or arriving at the track. And in the end, Sweet Reply was promoted to the favourite at $2.70. Down the dip at the 400 metres, it's Rafael the Bolter, two lengths in front of Captain Canuck, giving strong chase now on the outside. It's Rafael giving a slap with the Persuader, joined now and headed by Valinetti, who swept up. Alibor and now Sweet Reply from the back is storming home. Valinetti at the 200, Alibor lifting and Sweet Reply. Sweet Reply moves up with Alibor. Stride for stride, the Philly Sweet Reply and Alibor. Head bobbing, go in the guineas, they hit it, photo. Alibor may have just won from Sweet Reply. Valinetti third, then Furioso next in the field. Horrifying, Talamo, Rafael and Captain Canuck got tired and finished at the tail of the field. Dean Yendel riding for Simon Wilde and Alibor going in at only his fourth start in a race was able to uh, just beat Sweet Reply. There was a half head in it at the finish. Yeah, obviously the race was really robbed of a lot of interest with the Caulfield Guineas place getter coming out. It left it a pretty thin-looking Sandown Guineas. Mm. Um, it possibly sits in a sticky spot now, this race, David, with, you know, you've had the Bondi added in Sydney, um, some of those other races, and it seems there's less of them reluctant. They're more reluctant to go on as opposed to this race was a real you know, launching pad for the autumn in years gone by. This was a uh, this was a, a great race. Uh, even going back, I can remember. I think uh, Taj Rossi winning uh, this the Sandown Guineas when right. he had that winning spree in the early seventies. But honestly, and I don't follow Melbourne form that closely. Mm. I looked at that race and I didn't know any of them. No, <laughs> I, I mean I, I, I didn't really know any of them. Well, the winner had been beaten nearly five lengths by Shelby Cobra just last week. So obviously a horse on the improve, and the runner-up had had no luck at Flemington through through Cup week, but you wouldn't think it's going to be the, the strongest one. Let's have a listen to the replay now of the, the Sandown Cup over the two miles. But it's San Huberto down the straight at the 400 metres. Kicks for home now. Three lengths to Cariff, followed by Miami Bound, Realm of Flowers, Edda James, Monmouth, Sweet Thomas and Sin to win. The rest are looking for somewhere to lie down. Cariff and San Huberto go together. Cariff moves up to San Huberto at the 150. Realm of Flowers is running on. It's Cariff at the 100. San Huberto's coming back in Realm of Flowers. Still Cariff near the line. Realm of Flowers thrusting late. Cariff. Cariff just beat Realm of Flowers and third San Huberto from Sweet Thomas. Then came Edda James. Next in the field, Miami Bound and Monmouth. Further back, Sindu in mid-term. A long gap to Naval Warfare and Lofty Heights who made it interesting from about the 1,200. That was the middle pin of Jamie Carr's treble for Team Snowden. Cariff beating Realm of Flowers and San Huberto, surviving a protest. A horse with a, well, fair to say, an ordinary strike rate, two from 27. We saw him here as a three-year-old, I think, did we not? Yeah, we definitely did. Um, but he had run some really good races over, you know, since he won, the, his previous win was September 2019. But, you know, he wasn't, didn't have the best of luck there at Flemington last time. So he definitely deserved the win, David. But there was a tinge of sadness with that win. His, his damn Norzita, who was a ripping good filly, she died yesterday morning. Okay. So, um... Certainly a sentimental win for, for connections there with Karif getting the prize. It's a day where there's uh, so many feature races. There are the group all listed. Uh, we've listened to the three majors, the three main ones, but worth mentioning a couple of others, particularly from a Magic Millions point of view. Mm. Kemal Parsa, uh, successful, so we're likely to probably see him in January. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just a beauty, isn't he? Just sits on speed and gives his all every time. Yeah, he led all of the way. Craig Williams running. He won the Heffernan. Uh, Mark Hunter's best bet of the day, uh, 
uh, Hindam was successful in the Twilight Glow. I believe she's going for a spell now. Juna Pal bounced back and uh, was successful. And uh, Sosie Bond was able to, to win. <laughs> Fancy winning a tight finish. Yes, I, I didn't think that he'd uh, got the photo, but it panned out his his way. I think one of the strongest form races going forward out yesterday might be well the Merson Cooper, the two-year-old um, mm. Animo was able to win, but Forbes, I think, is a, is a real horse of the future. He seemed to get a bit lost when he, he, he rounded them up so impressively um, and then may have just got lost. I think going through to the autumn, I suspect that uh, he'll be a horse we'll be hearing more about. The good thing about this program is if I don't know something, I know you know it, so... <laughs> Tell me why Brazen Boy was a late scratching. You know? See, no question without notice. I'm, I'm not sure something happened at the start there. Does producer Dale know that? No, he's put his head down. Producer Dale's still in mourning after the All Blacks were beaten by Argentina last night. So. And coordinator Mike saying nothing. He's just preparing the next race. Yeah. So, we're, so we don't know. We'll have to try and find that out. Why Brazen Boy was a late scratching because there was a lot of hype about him after that big trial win in Adelaide. Trial win and a half, wasn't it? Certainly was. Well, that was the uh, action from Sandown yesterday. Let's turn our attention now to Newcastle. It was their second running of the Tab Hunter, a million dollar race. Great betting race. Let's go to the action. Top of the straight now, and Cuba lays it down to special reward, stride for stride. Sweet Deal's running on the fence on the inside of Sonore Fox. Then came Galois. Asiago's winding up with a big run on the outside, but special reward still in front. Sweet Deal's coming off heels to challenge, and on the outside is Asiago. Sweet Deal lays it down to special reward, and Sweet Deal goes home best in the tap hunter to beat special reward and Asiago. Tactical advantage fourth, followed by Evelina. Then came Galois from Rainier, Fiesta Brave Song Trumbull didn't close it off. Cuba weakened out from Sonore Fox as well. Then Chief Ironside, El Dorado Dreaming and Redouble. A very good mare over several seasons and that was a big payday yesterday when Sweet Deal, ridden by Nash Ruella, won the Tab Hunter. Uh, enjoying a good run with cover. It was well uh, documented that uh, that was the plan to ride the horse with cover. Rowilla executed it perfectly and got the all the, the, the right runs in the straight to come after the leader and got the money. John Thompson, a sweet deals trainer, and he's been kind enough to join us this morning on Past the Post. John, congratulations on yesterday. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, you hit the nail on the head. It was very well uh, executed by Nash, and uh, it was good to see the mayor do that. Certainly was. We, we've, we saw her up here in Queensland, I think, in 2019, but... Uh, Newcastle has been a happy hunting ground too because she won the, the Group 3 Tibby there as well. Uh, she did. Uh, yeah, every time she's gone there, she's run well. And um, I think it might have a bit to do with the surface there. It's um, The new track at Newcastle's probably got, you know, the best surface uh, in the country at the moment. She's, you'd love to have a stable full of these girls, John. She, she wins every preparation. Uh, she's a wonderful mare, uh, Nathan. You know, she's big and strong, sound, and with each season, she's just got better. And uh, the owners actually, at the end of the last prep, said, oh, we're thinking of putting her to start. And I said, crazy. I said, she's just getting warmed up. She's coming good. Uh, and Nash's association was, was building with her and um, and taking it to a new level. And I think we've seen, uh, you know, the culmination of that yesterday. John, is that the end of the road now as far as this campaign is concerned for Sweet Deal? Yes. She actually went to the spelling farm straight from the races at uh, Wyong yesterday to Emmeron Park and uh, she'll have a short spell there and, and come back for the autumn. 
Uh, well, you've done the right thing by talking them into giving her another round. She's a $1.3 million earner now. Uh, through Cup Week, John, we saw Purple Sector heavily backed and he got the prize. He's a horse you've obviously had to be patient with, but uh, he's really delivering now. He showed good promise as a young horse, um, but uh, he just uh, his mental state went off onto other things as he got a bit older, so we had to make the harsh call and gild him. Um, but since he's been gelded this time in, he's been a, just a different horse, very focused and uh, gives 100%. And, um, you know, all three runs have been fantastic. He was uh, pretty uh, terrible going the other way in Melbourne the other day, but he was still good enough to, to beat him. Um, and the most impressive thing about the horse is he's not only winning, but he's running uh, uh, very good times doing it. John, it has been a, a stunning, when I say turnaround, but he's, he is really focused and uh, he's going gangbusters. He's only lied into a preparation. Did you give or have you given any consideration to to, to running him in the West during their carnival? Uh, we did, yes. We nominated him for the for the railway and I dare say uh, he would have went over there if it wasn't for uh, COVID. Uh, we are just unable to send staff and... Um, you know, it's uh, just too much to have to, you know, quarantine for 14 days every mm. time you go somewhere. So uh, we elected to come back and it's a nice race to fall into next week. Fair enough. What about uh, what's happening with Fatus? Uh Unfortunately, she pulled up sore after her last run at Flemington. Uh, the track was a bit firm there and she uh, chipped a knee. Uh, she's had that chip removed and she's out spelling at the moment. John, you were able to land a big win on Magic Millions Day last year. Have you got any horses planned to head north for the, the summer carnival up here this time? Uh, I do. Um, I've got, uh, obviously, a couple of two-year-olds hopeful, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Primitivo will be back to defend his crown in the in the Stays Cup. And um, also a horse that ran yesterday in the last race, was called Chat. Uh, he is being aimed at the Magic Millions Cup. He ran on very well, didn't he, Chad? He goes well. He's very honest horse. I think the barrier beat us yesterday. But um, he's very tractable too. He can go forward, he can go back, but he's just honest. And, um, you know, he's a horse that's, you know, going up through his grades. Congratulations on the Tab Hunter win with Sweet Deal. A, a good mare, and she deserved to win a big one. And, uh, well, she's already won feature races, group races, but a million-dollar race, they don't come along every day. Congratulations. Thanks very much. John Thompson with us this morning on Past the Post talking about Sweet Deal. Let's have a listen to the other feature. This is at group level, the spring stakes for the three-year-olds. And again, an open betting race, but the favourite was Perfect Radiance at $4.40. The Eleanor gets right up on the inside. Ellsberg gave it a mile of room. Perfect radiance the outside. Now High Supremacy starting to pick up and obvious step coming off heels. The Eleanor has been well back here, but it's quickly being tackled by High Supremacy. And High Supremacy draws level with the Eleanor. Clear from Ellsberg and further back to Namatu. Coming back, the Eleanor. The Eleanor coming back on High Supremacy. And the Eleanor won it by a half length to High Supremacy. It looks certain to win. A couple of off to Ellsberg third. Gap back to Red Stiletto charging at the end from Kukaracha Leeward. Then obvious step, Namatsu. Further back to Shaddy, Real Peace dropped out, followed by Luminoso. And the favourites finish last. Perfect radiance. The Eleanora having only its fourth start, a cult by Redoot's Choice for Chris Waller and Tommy Berry having the ride. And uh, 
well, climbing off the canvas to fight back to win. The only lightly race. That be interesting to see the progress of that horse. This race we knew when it was run sort of prior to the Epsom meeting, David, and it produced good horse year after year. It sort of lost a bit of its gloss, but so it's interesting to see what unfolds in its new slot. But uh, by Reduce's choice, he nodged... That was stakes winner number 176 for Redoots, and then later in the mm. day, stakes winner number 177, Celebrity Queen over in, in Perth. So he we lost Redoots not that long ago. He's just been a remarkable contributor to Australian breeding. I was going to say another highlight of the day, but I suppose really a low light for putters was uh, when Straub was played up in the barriers badly, was uh, taken out, vetted, cleared. They never win. Never. They re- or they, no. or they rarely win. Eight lengths was the beaten margin. Plenty of commentary about um, that particular incident um, on social media yesterday, that's for sure. In terms of... Why it was allowed to start, yeah. yeah. It's like um, on the second tier after um, being playing up in barriers, horses that have to be re-shot at the start. How do you think I felt when Boom... I could see the jockey off Boomtown last said, what's going on? Oh, I said, oh, no. You were striking for a duck at that point of the day too, weren't you? Oh, well, yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate yeah. that. But, but uh, and when, they, when they jumped out of the barriers, I couldn't see it. I was looking, I couldn't see the horse at all. I said, where is it? And then I finally saw Unless it. If you stuck three wide from barrier five, that would have helped you, Moon. We'll talk more about that later because we want to talk about uh, Doom in, in depth. We're really swinging to some top gear racing now over the next few months. And it was a good day of racing at Doom yesterday. We talked about Jonker, but there are several other performances with uh, with discussion and consideration. But first, a break here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company. Past the Post on Radio Tab. At Doomman yesterday, the Keith Nowd was the listed feature. The last race on the card, 16 horses, capacity field. Putters couldn't sort it out. It was $6.50 the field. Here's the action. On straightening, Jonker went on by Master Jamie. Deep image still there despite a torrent run. Then came Stampy, Cattersby, Sandbar trying to make ground. They're all trying to make ground, but at this stage, they're making no impression on Jonker. 100 left to run. Jonker's a mile in front, and he is going to bolt in the Keith down. Jonker heavily back, one brilliantly. Beat home, deep image. Photo third, Master Jamie or Hard Empire. They're followed then by uh, Cattersby and Nikonova, Stampy. Then came Scalopini. Well back was Prioritise, Spurcraft, Soxagon, Removal, Crone McEwen and Freddie Foxtrot out at the tail in 17.83. It was actually lost on me the time when I mentioned that 17.83 until we checked the race book and saw that he'd beaten Takeover Takeover Target's track record at 17.88. This was a truly dynamic performance. Now, trainers are judged or trainers judge themselves, I suppose, by the races they win, how many they win, the, the the nature of the race. But I'm sure trainers also judge themselves on individual training performances, turning horses around, doing something different. Tony Gollins joining us now, our Premier Trainer, and uh, we appreciate his time. Tony, uh, and maybe I'm putting words into your mouth, but I'm sure watching this race and taking everything into account, this was a very gratifying moment for you yesterday. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, and we had a meeting with the owners some time ago now and sort of floated the idea of possibly sending him up to us and probably a lot of it come about with COVID and things like that at the time and um, when I sort of made the decision to send him to me I, I sort of give him a, a mug map of where I'd, I'd like to probably go with him and I had an idea of what I wanted to do and very very not, not all the time things just go how you want them and I, I really didn't want to have any preconceived ideas about the horse obviously I knew him I've watched him race right from mm. 
the get-go coming from that first crop of, of Spirit of Boom, obviously, dear to, dear to me. And sort of just could really see this horse really starting to pick up in the last sort of four weeks and into the point where he had that second trial. He did it all on his own and he went into the race with a ton of confidence and I was quietly confident with him. I just he hadn't won for three years. I just wanted to see what his appetite for success was like under race conditions and I think we all got a pretty good look at it yesterday. It was very satisfying and I can't thank the clients enough for giving us an opportunity with him and uh, hopefully we can carry it on all summer. We, the punters, got a sneak peek when we saw that trial at Eagle Farm and times were quick all day, but his was particularly quick. But even yesterday, and I mean, you know, you've watched a lot of races, I've watched a lot of races, uh, that took my breath away, that the, the, the arrogance of the performance, the margin, and then that time, because as we said at the top of the show, take over Target's record. I know there are track records everywhere. That's a rigid-edge track record, and to beat that is... It's quite stunning. Yeah, it's it's pretty a good case of comparing apples to apples too. You know, the summer track record, which is when we run our times up here in Brisbane, and a lot of similarities. It's a very dominant performance. I didn't probably totally expect the race to be run the way it was. Um, not that it was totally a shock that that's how it panned out, but whenever it went out there, it was a lead at all cost mentality. It was just a matter of trying to negate our gate. But he, he was he was simply brilliant. When you give the six hundred the first six hundred meter split over, I knew I had him very fit very ready for his summer prep because there wasn't any room for error this horse we want to make sure we get him on the board early because the races only get tougher but when you when you give that first split over i geez, i thought geez, i hope i've got him as fit as i think because he's gonna have to carve out a bit of a time to keep going and that's what he did tony this may not be specific to your knowledge with this horse but like i think back three years ago this horse came to the magic millions as one of the favorites <laughs> he was absolutely poleaxed in that race <laughs> by, by your by your horse um yeah my question is do, do horses come out of an incident like that sometimes with mental scars and it, it does take time to get over it? For sure. Um, you know, like, his was much publicised uh, due to the fact that he was a, you know, a horse that was right in the market or, you know, expected to perform. I think that year there was, you know, four horses right up there in the market and I had two of them. Yep. Um, Sunlight was the other one and he was the other one. So when it happened to him, it was, it was highly publicised. I had a horse in it a few years before, Just Orm. Very similar thing happened to him very early in the race as well. And it took him a year to get back anywhere near where he was. And I think that's, we were quite patient within that year with him. And that's why I think a horse like him, you're seeing he's better racing later on. I think it took him a good while yeah. to get his confidence right back. And I dare say it's the case for this horse too. And look, he, he's raced on some, some awful tracks as well, some really wet tracks down there in Sydney. And look, I think he's, he's dying for these dry tracks. And that confidence of that win yesterday, I can only see it improving this horse. You know, three years between drinks, I can certainly see him kicking right on from yesterday. He goes to the George Moore in three weeks' time, 1,200 a demon, the scene of the crime yesterday. Would, would he then have not another run until the Magic Millions? It just depends on which way I wanted to go with him, David. There's three options with him for the Magic Millions, um, the Cup, the Cutis, and also the, um, the Sprint. So, Sprint, yeah. you know, I can I sort of can look at what I want to do. If I, if I wanted just to go to the Sprint, yeah, sure, I thought that's how he performed best, like fresh like that, I could easily not go again. If I wanted to look at the other two races, I could give him one more run. But you, you certainly won't see him going every fortnight through to Magic Millions, that's for sure. Well, you wouldn't think they'll be putting up $21 about him next time, that's for sure. Um, Tony, that again. I'm going to ask you about the other couple of runners. It was a totally on-pace dominated race. Should we be forgiving of those yeah. back in the field which just didn't, they just couldn't get into the race yesterday? Horses of yours like McEwen and Crone. Yeah, look, McEwen, McEwen's a tricky one. I mean, he's, he's got to get to that grade or show that he's up to that grade. And he, he wouldn't be up to that sort of times that the winner ran 
yesterday. He needs different run races. That sort of you know track record tempo from the front was never going to suit a horse like him, particularly when he draws wide. So yeah. I'd be forgiving him, but I do think I've got to be a little bit careful in what grade I place him in. Um, I think the mare, she, her first up run, even in the winter for me, wasn't good. And yet again, a wide draw happened to go right back to last. Well, that's not going to work when you can't even make up ground the last 600 really on the sectionals they run. I'd be yeah. very forgiving of her. She'll go back to Phillies and Mare's grade now. And her, her biggest issue in the summer is only going to be the ground. She's so much better than we can get wet ground. Whether it's because of the sectionals or she just likes getting a toe into the ground, I'm not sure. Uh, but she, she would need barriers around a track like Doombin uh, throughout this summer period. I know I'm waxing lyrical about this, but I still can't get over the 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 performance. Thirty four fifty five. You mentioned that the first six hundred metres. Now, when they're running that, that's we sort of half expect that at this grade, and then we we expect them to come home, say in maybe thirty four two, thirty four three, and we say, well, that's a good gallop, one eight point eight, but it's off the, the, a run on horse. Instead, this is what he went thirty four fifty five, and then he went up another gear thirty three twenty eight, and beating the rest by nearly five lengths. It's one of the most dynamic performances I've seen in a long time. Yeah, his last half furlong was exceptionally impressive. Um, you know, they sort of went to get up onto his back there, and then when Jimmy put one behind the saddle, he just found another gear. But look, I just—he's a highly talented horse. There's no no other way to describe it. He's he's highly highly talented animal. He's on the cusp of being a group one horse and who knows his father won his group one six years of age so i wouldn't be giving up on better races with him but our first port of call is the is the summer racing for him i thought this carnival was perfect and you know hopefully i can just keep on going through the summer and just keep showing you guys what, what sort of horse he, he is you know and the more these stallions win races the more confidence they get and you know i don't i think his best racing is ahead of him i, I really do and if you look at the sort of horse that he is he, he's not a big bully bully stallion he's still very athletic and he makes my job easy as well. He's exactly like training his father. He's the most force I've had by that stallion. It's just like his dad. He looks like him. He works like him. There's so much about him. I see a lot of similarities in his father. Tony, I suspect your um, final gallop offside, Andrew Duneman, would have been sporting a big grin after that race yesterday. He was. Uh, he seemed very bullish about this horse's chances in the preview through the week. Yeah, oh, look, he loves he loves Jonker. I mean, he loves Spirit of Boom. And mm. he does. I mean, he's got still got shares in him and stuff like that. And he, he wears his heart on his sleeve and, you know, we, we, Andrew watches track work with me on Tuesdays and Saturdays and so we've, we've both seen this horse improving, improving, improving and, you know, I was probably a little bit more uh, on the side of caution just for the fact that I, I, I just, when horses have been out of the winner's circle for so long, I, I want to see him do it where Andrew's sort of <laughs> get in front of himself a little bit. <laughs> it's a cart in front of the horse occasionally. But, you know, so that, uh, he'll be very happy. I thought he will be. He'll be supporting a big headache this morning anyway. <laughs> A couple of others to, before we let you go. We appreciate your time. Needorp, very good despite getting beaten. Yeah, disappointed she was this slow away. They were in the barriers an awful long time in that race. It never makes it easy when you're loaded early like that. Mm. Um, she stepped away a bit slow. Full credit to the winner, but I, I, I eventually got on its back. I still was, I'd gone to about the 700 before I got in three wide, um, but I did get on Boomtown's lass's back, and I had a chance to come off her back and beat her, and I couldn't. So... Yeah, you know, I suggest my filly's got to find a little bit to beat her or, or other really good mares as we get into these listed races in a couple of weeks. Um, so her run was good. I think I need to find some more improvement in her. And she had a bit of a sweat yesterday. I might have been just a bit kind on her knowing that I've got a, a long summer ahead. I noticed she was sweating going to the barrier. That's that's an interesting point. Garibaldi, he just can't crack it, can he? Yeah, he can't. His run was his run was good. I mean, we forget the winner was really short price favourite a couple of weeks ago and beat, actually beat Needle at Mooney Valley last spring. Mm. So it's, it's, he's a useful horse, Ruger, and I thought he was given an 11 out of 10, where I thought we'd probably ask our horse to come wide and, and sustain a much longer run. 
you know, first up from a break one trial, I probably asked a little bit much of him yesterday. And I know, I know he's a maligned horse for punters. He's won the one race, his first start, 13 runs ago, and it's easy to, to bag him. But I think if you liked him yesterday, I'd, I could see him doing what Ruka did yesterday, his next start. I think in the right race, you could see him, you know, fire up bit more fitness under his belt and probably giving a slightly better run. Tony, appreciate the time this morning. You've been, uh, you're at the beach, I understand, with your, your daughter. So <laughs> you, just, a, just a quick one, looking ahead to the Sunshine Coast this Saturday, will you have uh, many runners heading to the, the features there? Yeah, I do. Um, I've got quite a few on the Swiss Ace at this stage. Um, it depends on one. We'll jump out again. Miss Catherine was pretty ordinary the other day, but we'll jump her out Tuesday and see how she comes through that. But Sugar Boom will be there. Just Dorm will be there. Capital Connection will be there for the Swiss Ace. Okay. We've obviously lost Zoo Style, which is probably pretty hard yep. to follow for the summer. But, you know, sometimes the one door shuts and, you know, Jonkers come into the place. So for what was looking to be leaner than what we thought it was going to be, um, it's looking out okay now. Thanks for being with us this morning. And that was a great training performance with Jonker yesterday. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Tony Gollan joining us, 33 Metropolitan wins so far for Tony this season. So it sounds like you'll line up to take the 6-4 to four next time, Jonkin. Yeah, that's what it'll be too. <laughs> I'll be all over it. Special. <laughs> but you know, I can't, I, I st- look, you know, I'm a time nut mm. and, you know, uh, I know other uh, uh, judges have said that they thought that takeover target track record would never be broken. Mm. And it is a Ridge one. I mean, the Doombin 1200 has been a constant for, for many years, yeah. like the Doom in 1350. Yeah. And they uh, get a couple of cracks at it each Saturday. Exactly. And, uh, you know, they get they get a, a crack at it at a Group 1 level during the, the winter and they have these good races during the summer. That was an outstanding performance. Anything, and, and out of the race, too, I thought Deep Image was oh. uh, worthy of mention, uh, you know, virtually in the middle of the track and just grinding away. We know he can do that. And, and even Master Jamie hanging on, but... Honestly, some of these horses that were like $9, $10 chances that we expected to be running on strongly, mm. they just ran out of breath. They just ran, were run off their legs. No, he ran them into the ground. And so Deep Image was outstanding, giving five kilos to the winner. And we know he's a horse that goes really well at Eagle Farm. So a race like the Buffering, which I think he won last year, that they'll be lining that race up again. Well, Jonker was the winner of the day, but I thought before Jonker, the winner of the day was Boomtown mm. last because it was my only winner. Here's the replay. <laughs> I've got an L Piracy. Boomtown last charging at them. Needorm about to sweep up four wider. Baller seemed to be too far back. Boomtown last. He now hits the go button. The real go button. Got to I've got an L. Needorm after Boomtown last. Boomtown last in front. She's holding on. She'll win. Boomtown last. Beat home Needorm. Baller flew for third. Then I've got an L followed by Pizzoni. Then came at the head of the others. Awesome pluck. Piracy. Ice Frost. Deep Euphoria. Well back was Mount Bannon. Lucky fix. We bought a zoo. And better reflection last time in one three forty two. Times were quick yesterday. They upgraded the track to a good three in the early part of the day. She ran one three forty two, thirty three sixty five. And uh, I, I agree with the, the comments that Chris Anderson made to you. Uh, he didn't panic, Justin Huxtable. He, he no. sat three wide, but but sat three wide, nursing, 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 and then all of a sudden, go. Yeah, no, it was he copped his medicine, so to speak, didn't he? And and had had her travelling. She's, uh, she's well accustomed to being off the track, Boomtown Lass. So she's just a little beauty. She, she finds and, you know, Needorp was there to beat her yesterday and she, she found again. It was funny because when I watched that trial of, of Boomtown Lass, <laughs> I, thought, I thought she might have done a little better, mm. thinking of the time when it's Jonker. Yeah. And even though the time was there, that the, the format of that trial has, has stood up in no uncertain manner. As we said, there were several good performances yesterday. Here's another one. We want to talk a bit more about this. Let's have a listen to race four on the card. 
and Dominant King was successful here for Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted. Kavak went by the 600 metres, ran that first split in 34.5, so he's on target to try and lead all of the way. Forever Volos, keep him on us. Betterland third, then Luscan Hero. Sherry's always been wide, trying to improve. Dominant King just behind it. Then came Beltaria, and at the head of the others was Jenny. Kavak in front, below the 300 metres from Forever Volo. Sherry, Beltaria, Luscan Hero, Betterland. Kavak's all out, but he's still the leader. Down the outside, here's the danger. Dominant King. Dominant King goes to Kavak takes the lead, Beltaria running on but Dominant King shot away impressive, beat home Beltaria Kavak tied late fourth for Evervolo, not a bad run it then Jenny, Sherry, Luskin Hero count the coin, better lad and Zadie whipped them in in a fast gallop, a good gallop, 1867 yes, 1867 uh, again as we said times were good on the day but uh, this looks a good horse and a, a very striking looking individual as we said, uh, trained by Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted there in a training partnership, but the man who had the steer was Ben Thompson, a relatively recent addition to the Queensland riding ranks, but he's he's riding up a storm and he's on the line now. Ben, good morning. Tell us about Dominant King. How did he feel to you? Yeah, good morning, David. He, um, obviously, he was super impressive yesterday. He's, he showed us that at home and obviously only had a short, sort of, a short association with the horse. I think only just moved here, but he, um, from all reports, the, the sale have always been a big fan of him. And um, at his third outing, he, he couldn't have been, couldn't have won any better yesterday. Ben, you look at what he did there yesterday, and he's obviously taken big leaps and bounds. So he got rolled there at Caloundra on debut. Tell us the improvement he's made from then to now. It's um, in, a, in a short space of time, he's made rapid improvement. But uh, obviously, he ran into he. We knew it was, a, it was a strong race there, um, over 1,000 metres of Cleander and as a stable mate that, that beat him on the day who had trialled great leading into the race as well. Um, he, sort of, he had two trials heading into that race. In his first one, he, he trialled super and done everything right. In the second one, the occasion almost got the better of him. He's not by any means green, but he's he's pretty proud of himself, albeit a gelding. And it, he um, just almost, uh, he just lost his marbles a touch that day and... Uh, what I mean, like pre-race, he sort of was uh, a bit hot going onto the track, and um, he took that. That's probably that those same manners to Caliandra that day. Uh, so we had the run of the race outside the eventual second place getter, and the winner that day better get set with leaders back. But um, he was pretty green, and um, thankfully he took that uh, day in his stride, and um, he was on his best behaviour at Ipswich, and uh, again yesterday at Durham. But obviously the, his performance of the eye was was brewing and obviously the, the clock reflected that as well so hopefully there's better things in store and I think it's pretty exciting. We keep saying it, uh, these horses, particularly young horses, two and three year olds, they're individuals, they're all different and and they, they take time to improve or maybe not improve but you, you've prosec- or you've outlined the case very well there with Dominic King. I suppose it's a similar story with your first winner yesterday, Rhapsody Rose. You partnered her on debut at the Sunshine Coast. She ran third and we saw her get her act together yesterday, leading all of the way in the first. Yeah, absolutely, David. She um, she was all there running fourth. She was brewing that day, and what uh, what seemed to be a strong race on the day, and has already been uh, good form come from that. She she also she ran third. She um, she travelled great in the run. She was a little bit slow away, and she um, sort of made up for that yesterday. And she just sort of copped a, a little bit of um. Sort of, she got a couple of bumps sort of leading into the straight and I think for a, a debutante 
uh, sort of weighing the race up. She couldn't have been better, and I was very keen to stick with her. And obviously, a big big thanks to Chris Munson Connections for um, giving the opportunity to ride her again, and uh, she made up for it. It was I wasn't too sure where it ended up in running. She led, uh, and I think it was an official trial at Doom, and leading into her first start quite comfortably. Um, then obviously a touch fly away last time and had a settling, I think she was fourth in running. But um, Chris Munty just left sort of things uh, pretty open and he just said, um, just be conscious of her in the barriers and try to try to break away well and assist the race from there. She um, she was travelling in a line alongside uh, Robert Heathcliff's mount and uh, the Aquasource Casey Fogden's and she just seemed to be travelling better. So under her own steam, she took her way to the front, took herself to the front and Travelled so comfortable on the rail, and all the most impressive part of the race was her last 100 metres. She she ran out a strong 1100, like she would have won by the same margin, maybe further over 1200, and she's coming along really nicely. So I think she's um she's very promising. Ben, seems like there's some good opportunities coming your way. You're happy with the way things are panning out since you've moved here to Queensland? Yeah, definitely, Nathan. It's um I've been very lucky to receive. Uh, the great support that I have in a, a short amount of time. I've um, been here just over two and a half months now riding, and uh, yeah, I couldn't have wished for a, for a better start. I'm obviously, receiving um, great support from uh, Stephen O'Day and Matt Hoisted, Tony Golden, Robert Heathcote, and um, Brian and Daniel Guy Stable. So, uh, just to name a few, obviously, I'm, not, I'm a, a lightweight, which is a, obviously a big help, and um, probably helped when I first came made the move, sorry, to, to pick up numbers, being able to ride the minimum comfortably. So uh, hopefully things can yeah, keep rolling along and um, uh, keep improving from around. Keep up the good work and thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, David. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Ben Thompson joining us. What a well-spoken young man he is. Yeah, he's a terrific young guy and... Um, it's good to see him just get that momentum there yesterday with, with, with the double. He's been thereabouts on Saturdays without getting too many winners, but I think yesterday gave us, gave us a glimpse of what's to come. I'll give you one guess. Who backed Dominant King at its first start? <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve O'Day was telling me Dominant King's mum was a very good horse. Saga's gift, she had one start. Mm. She won by eight lengths at Eagle Farm in, in March 2013, then was injured and, and couldn't race again. I remember it was the day that coincided with Adelaide Cup Day. Really? Uh, it was that. Uh, it was a. Uh, and the, funny enough, that was the the meeting that um, the uh, the track was closed down after that uh, that that race meeting. Um, Goodness, but that makes sense. Actually, no, years. that's no, that's incorrect. No. no, that's incorrect. I've made a mistake there. But uh, yeah, I saw this was trial. Dominic, I was actually mm. at the trials. I thought, gee, he looks good, and he, he he catches the eye. Yeah. When you look at him, he's such an athletic individual. But he was beaten. But as we said, and I know I sound like a broken record, but these young horses, two, three-year-olds, they they take their time, some fast, some slow. it be interesting to see how much more we see of him. I'm certain that the, the mm. Hong Kong buyers will be circling around that horse after what he's done. He's a, he's a perfect style or the style of horse that they seem to go after. Now, I'd like to share the plaudits. You know I'm generous, so yes. I'll listen to my boomtown lass. Let's listen to one of your winners. Nathan <laughs> selected this winner in race seven. In the home straight, the leader was North Africa. He's flat to the boards. Destiny's own is the first challenger. All of it up outside the pair. Plintvita running on Gamely and Red Steener down the outside. Plintvita and Destiny's own fighting it out with 100 metres left to go. Red Steener charging at the pair. Plintvita in front. Can it hold off Red Steener? Here's the post photo. Maybe Plintvita from Red Steener. Destiny's own picking late third. Fourth not sure. Either dashing special or on the inside North Africa that Alderman Kedar didn't put in today and be one to the line. Cape Wickham in 135.39. Plidvitsa in front. Red Steiner charging, but Plidvitsa will get it.
Yes, got there by a head. And another Thompson this time. Aidan Thompson riding for Rob Heathcote. Just uh, nutting Red Steena, who uh, was finishing fast, but just a touch too late. And the consistent destiny's own in third. Uh, Plitvica gave Rob Heathcote a double. Dusty Tycoon for my runners was successful. Hugely popular. Rob's had a pretty a pretty ordinary run, I'd say, by his own admission in recent times. So I'm sure a double yesterday would have uh, lifted the spirits. Yeah, he said it's been a shocking six months for the stable. So he's hoping that that will give him a bit of momentum and also um, deep him his run well in the last. But, gee, that was a good ride. I think there was a difference mm. between winning and losing the ride. He he just rode that perfectly, Aidan Thompson. Let's have a listen to Ruka. I want to talk a bit about this horse. Uh, we, we discussed Garibaldi. Well, Ruka had his measure. Here's the replay. Ash Zayas flying in front. 6.50 left to Rana. Had a margin of two and a half to Hidden Hale second. One away third. Go deep. Two to Iced fourth. Talayla fifth the inside. Global Factor came out three wide and momentarily put Garibaldi in a nasty pocket. He needs a bit of room to move the favourite. He's now about to push into the clear. He gives the leader five or six of the men and Ruka is stone motherless last. Ash Zayas led by the 300 metres. Hidden Hale being pumped up. Garibaldi now warming to the task. Is starting to put in generous strides. Ruka's trying to go with him. Ash Sayer, 100 to go the leader. Garibaldi out wide and Ruka coming after Ash Sayer. Ruka and Garibaldi. Ruka's going home better. Ruka too good. Big Garibaldi, Ash Sayer and Iced. Then came Hidden Hale, Talela and out at the back of the bus, Go Deep and Global Factor in 59 and 63. Ruka. Yes, Ruka, who was costly uh, first up, uh, made amends uh, and was supported yesterday, but a better odds, $5 to four forty. having Garibaldi's measure. Uh, Toby Edmonds was interviewed post-race. I think the stable have a very good opinion of this horse, but just don't want to say too much because he is somewhat maligned with the, the punning uh, fraternity. Yeah, well, they thought enough of him to toss him into the Group 1 Coolmore 12 months ago. Mm. Um, he, he hadn't won since then, since you know, Tony Gollan mentioned earlier that uh, he beat Nidor there at the Valley on Cox Plate Eve. So the ability's clearly there, but maybe he's a horse that just needs to blow out the cobwebs first up. He's costly a first up horse. Last time he was just average first up and then only just missed behind Ice second up. So maybe we haven't seen him in, any deeper into a preparation either, so it'll be interesting to see his progress from here. And I think Ryder Fred said to keep him to short distances. Uh, mm. he, he appreciates that because you don't often see them come from last in a... 1,050-metre race, which, again, uh, adds merit to the track yesterday. They came from everywhere. Yeah, and, and again, a, a good ride coming from last, saving saving ground. And uh, It was an interesting one when the two of them squared off, was which one was going to break mm. the drought. I'm going to talk more about Dusty Tycoon in press room tomorrow in my opening remarks, but she was able to win Alex Pattis riding. This was the first leg of the Heathcote double. Uh, I think it's fair to say, I don't think anyone disagrees that the Dusty Tycoon is a smart filly, but 1,200 is the is the limit. The absolute max, yeah. But, um, yeah it's, you know, like you say, you'll talk further about it tomorrow, but it's a, she's just a good story. Hard labour, confidently backed and won well, and, and she looks like she's got plenty of upside. She's won her past four. She's only uh, was only beaten once. Yeah, and Robbie Fred suggested she's a horse that will get over a little bit more ground too, that she relaxes so well in the run. And we saw Torrens lead by nearly 15 lengths at one stage. You've reported this morning <laughs> that uh, obviously the blinkers didn't help Torrens, but we haven't seen a race like that for a while. No, no. Matt McGilvery at one stage thought he was going to get away with it when uh, it was just, it did take its toll in the end. And uh, Ethan Ensby, uh, to paraphrase without some of the adjectives, sort of said that this was a difficult horse. <laughs> My colleague Josh Fleming made mention in the call. It was interesting because uh, it reminded me of this horse and I wouldn't have remembered it in a million years, but when Torrens was out by, you know, a long way, 
Shades of Maltese Beauty. Yeah. Remember Maltese Beauty? Absolutely I, do. I reckon that's going back nearly 20 years ago, Maltese Beauty. Yeah, that'd be right. You would just get huge leads, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Well, that was the Dooman meeting yesterday, and as you uh, alluded to when speaking with Tony Gollan, we go to the Sunshine Coast this Saturday. The Swiss Ace play to the Malulabar Cup are the two features. We've run out of time. That was an enjoyable 55 minutes, David. It's always enjoyable. And I'll talk to you tomorrow morning on Press Room. Look forward to that. Nathan X will be joining me this morning on Past the Post.